0: Hey fam, welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I am your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode number 30. Our guest today is an equine massage therapist and owns her own company called Unbridled Equine. She is certified and trained through the highest levels of equine massage and is an FEI permitted equine massage therapist as well. I, for one, find this topic super interesting and I hope you do too. So let's hear from our guest today, Katie Hawkins. Hi, Katie. Hi, good morning. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Edmund. both of our busy schedules. Glad we found some time to chat. Me as well. Awesome. Well, we'd love to kind of talk about who you are, what you do, kind of how you got to where you are today. So why don't you go ahead and take it away?
1: Definitely. Um, my name is Katie Hawkins, and I am the owner of Unbridled Equine. So I am an equine masseuse, and I also I like to add in um, some other services as well to my massage uh, menu, but mainly an equine massage therapist that is certified through um, FEI level. Awesome. Uh, How long have you been doing that? So my business is about three years old. Um, I started about three years ago, but I've been doing massage a lot longer, just kind of on the side with my own horses and for my friend's horses. And then um eventually
0: was able to turn it into a career. Wow. That's amazing. Um were you ever I I feel like the um some of the massage therapists that I've worked with in the past, like at other barns and things like that, they also work on humans. Do you work with both or is it primarily for horses?
1: I don't. I just work on horses. I like to keep my clientele. so horses <laughs> they're really they're really the best clients to work with,
0: uh, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> that's awesome. that's so cool. So what was Thank the you. what was the kind of like education process? you said you were you kind of started doing the work on your personal horses. What did that look like? how you you know how you kind of figure out how what works and what doesn't for body work? Oh, definitely. Okay, so well, I
1: can go a little bit into my horse experience cuz I feel sure. like that's the foundation of how I got started. So I've been riding, been around horses like 25 plus years. It's kind of funny I first got started with horses through a park district camp. Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like begged my mom to sign me up for a park district camp. I come from a totally non-horse family and they signed me up and I kind of say it was like love at first sight i was totally hooked oh. and then as a, a kid i vented. um i had a off the track thoroughbred chestnut mare that was fiery and awesome i and, had one uh, too
0: oh my yeah thoroughbred bits, chestnut mare off the track yes. <laughs>
1: She was the best thing ever. And I actually kept her all the way she was with me um as a as a teenager and then I kept her all the way through. I mean, she went through life with me, college and marriage, and she actually passed away right after my first daughter was born. So I had her like most of her life. Wow. That's
0: and so
1: um yeah, she's a near and dear to me. Her name was Gigi. And um, so I invented as a kid, you know, worked at the barn because my, my family was not into horses. The the price point of horses was a little bit overwhelming um, Mm. to my parents. And so, yeah, I was one that was at the barn turning out horses, cleaning stalls. Um, I did all my own care at horse shows. Uh, I just was totally hooked. And so really had this foundational piece of working hands-on with the horses, kind of all areas of it. And so as I, you know, got older and went through school, Um, I kind of kept that animal focus. Um, I have my undergrad in animal sciences and I was actually a zookeeper for quite a few years, um, at one of the zoos here in the Chicago area. So had, um, animal care and husbandry kind of as a, um, another just skill that I always did and then continued on to grad school to do education. And then I kind of incorporated, um, zoo animals, my zookeeping experience with education, but I always was coming back to the horses. And in that kind of type of work, um, as with any animals, it's, you know, 24 seven, you don't get weekends off. So I was having a lot of trouble getting back to being able to ride and have horses in my life. And so that really kind of led me back to looking at the industry more closely, but knowing that you know, I'm truly an amateur rider. <laughs> um, hey. and being really, really honest with that. Like, I love riding. I will work and do everything I can to improve. But like, I genuinely am an amateur rider. <laughs> like, yeah. my skill set stops there. And so, knowing that, um, you know, being in the industry just was going to look different, um, and not knowing what that was, mm-hmm. and being okay with it. Um, and then, through my own um, kind of health struggles, I became kind of involved and experienced in um, massage. So, um, I have two, gr- two young girls, um, a three-year-old and a six-year-old, and I had really, really tough pregnancies. Um, I had something called hyperemesis graviera where you have morning sickness the whole time and yeah. which is not pretty. And so I was on bed rest and, um, my, mainly for my second pregnancy and, once I, I had my daughter, got back into riding like full tilt and herniated discs in my back. Okay. Um, so I have three herniated discs now that they wanted to do surgery on. And I just decided that before I did surgery, I wanted to look at an alternate route. So really dove into human modalities like chiropractic and massage, homeopathic doctors. I also work with a napropath, which is a um, offshoot of chiropractic but looks a lot at soft tissue and how that relates to to illnesses and and injuries and so that led me into looking at that route while kind of simultaneously my hunter that I had Oscar was getting older and I thought like wow wouldn't it be cool to Help him as he ages and has injuries and issues to do kind of the same stuff that was working for me and my injury. So that led me to the Rocky Mountain School of Animal Acupressure and Massage, which is based out of Colorado, Um, a wonderful program. And when I went, I really kind of went there just with like an open mind and an open heart and was like, yeah, I just want to learn this um, for my horse. And I've always kind of enjoyed doing hands-on stuff with my horses anyways, but had no formal idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I looked up some YouTube videos, so I was like, yeah, okay, I can, I can do this on my horse. Um, and then through uh, my education with, with the Rocky Mountain School, came back, did all my certification hours, and just really started to not only love the modality, but see the remarkable results. Mm-hmm. And that hooked me. Wow. Totally hooked me. And so, um, like, I knew the results that happened with me by not only incorporating kind of traditional medicine with non-traditional medicine, um, but then when I started to see it by using it with the horses, that was just completely amazing to me. So I just got hooked. I started doing more coursework, kinesiology taping, MagnaWave, acupressure, um, I love adapting human tools for horses because in the, in the profession, there's a limited amount of really tools, um, more mm-hmm. modality. Um, and with that, my, I had planned on it being kind of a part-time fun little gig I did with young kids and mm-hmm. it's into a full-time takes me around the United States, um, allows me to work on. All types of horses through a Mm -hmm. whole range of what their skill set is. And it has been the coolest industry, part of the industry to get into that I never thought of before. (laughs) Like I couldn't have, have thought through it. It really came about organically.
0: Wow. That's incredible. So as you were trying to kind of gain more experience and kind of dive into different areas, at what point did you start taking on clients that, you know, weren't your own animals? Yeah. So originally I had my certification
1: horses that I worked with, which I just asked friends who doesn't love someone that's like, can I do, you know, a ton of hours on your horses? And we thought, <laughs> So I was kind of knocking down my doors to do it. And that started, and then from there, people started referring me out to other friends. Like, hey, I've got a friend that horse has this issue. Do you think you could go work on them? And all of a sudden, it was really funny. I like woke up uh, one night. You know how you love to like wake up in the middle of the night, thinking through like life issues, totally, yeah, the world problems. <laughs> um, and I woke up and I just like. At 3 a.m., like, I want to make a business of this. It's an area that, at least in the Chicagoland area that I live, was not tapped into. People were aware of it, but didn't really understand the uses of equine massage. And then also, as word spread, all of a sudden, I needed to have the structure of a company. So, I mean, that includes, like, becoming an LLC and having a bank Mm -hmm. account, having an accountant, and all these, like, really you know, boring yet important pieces that, that, right. gave me and so I kind of stopped and paused where I was at for a moment and got really focused on what I wanted my company and my business to be about. And then from there hit the ground
0: running and have never looked back. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. And are you traveling a lot with your work or are you staying primarily in the Midwest? No. Yeah, so I travel a lot.
1: My home base is in the Midwest. Um, And since I ride and compete myself, um, I do the high adult jumpers. I'm leasing a horse right now uh, whose name is Ted and he is adorable and a -hmm. a great horse. And so I like to mix business with pleasure. And oftentimes I try to incorporate if I would be going somewhere um, for work or have a need to go for work, I really like going to horse shows and offering my services, not only to my clients that mm-hmm. that horse show on the road, but also to new clients that I find there. Um, and so it may look something like, oh, I'm going to Traverse City for, you know, three or four weeks. I'm going to work a lot of that, but also horse show as well. Yeah. And then, like this winter, I'll be coming down um, to Florida for West for the season. Um, again, I'm going to horse show while I'm there. Um, and keep my hobby and my sport, but while also really being there with my focus is work. So it's taken me kind of all over the United States. And now with FBI certification, I would like that to maybe include international travel. So I feel like it continues to grow and evolve, but travel is something that I really enjoy. So um, I, like, I like keeping that as part of my business, that I also travel and work with clients on
0: the road. Amazing. Awesome. We're going to have to hang out when you're in Florida for the winter. Mm-hmm. So I'll be I there all winter
1: now. <laughs> oh, well, as we have a snowstorm right now in Chicago, I am like oh, counting days until I get there. That um, is that's so funny. I love Wellington and I, I love getting down there and everyone's kind of in one spot, you know, yeah. which doesn't always happen. So I'm able mm-hmm. to connect with Some clients and and friends that I haven't seen in a while, but also the level of competition and just being totally immersed in it is probably one of my favorite parts of the year.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. No, that's so funny. I'm, I'm from southeastern Wisconsin. And so um, I was even, I was just watching the Packer game last night and there was like a full on blizzard and I'm like, yep, I'm good in Florida. Thank you very much. Right? Yeah.
1: Don't, don't leave there. (laughs) Like, um, no, I am not a cold weather person. It's just, this is where my family has become established. Mm -hmm. And luckily I have a very understanding husband that that gets that not only my work and my sport, just, you know, I have to go to Florida for the winter, Mm -hmm. but also for my own sanity, (laughs) getting out of this Arctic tundra, um, I think is good for mental health as well.
0: Totally. That's so true. Yeah. How do you, because I feel like our schedules are fairly similar and it's definitely been something that my husband and I have had to juggle a bit as well that I'm you know, constantly traveling. I'm with my clients, uh, going to shows and gone a lot. I mean, even uh, Wellington's only about four hours from uh, where I live in Jacksonville, but it still is, you know, I'm still gone. How do you manage to juggle all that? And you obviously have two young ones at home and your animals and, you know, life in Illinois. How do you balance all of that with work? You know, that's been an interesting learning curve
1: as I've taken on my own business. And started that while, yeah, raising a family and prioritizing a marriage. And I would say it's been a village. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's been, it's really um, being very purposeful and aware of what my goals are. Um, If that's um, riding, um, my goals for horse showing or um, my goals with my business. But then going back and bringing those goals and ideas to my family before um, going forward with them. For example, last year after coming home from Wellington, I just felt like my girls needed me at home. So I slowed Mm -hmm. down my travel schedule, slowed down my show schedule, and really, um, you know, got centered in what my family needed at that time. I can say I have the absolute best nanny in the world that awesome. loves loves my children and allows me to do my job. When without her, my family wouldn't have the rhythm that we have. Right. But I think on top of that, like my husband is kind of the the rock and so he keeps everything kind of centered and 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 solidified and that allows me to kind of be the one that goes off and does things. Um, so right. that balance in our relationship as well. Um, but I think there's oftentimes that I will be overdoing it and kind of going constantly and, you know, wanting to have ambitions in all facets of my life and then really having to take a step back and be like, okay, what do I need to prioritize? Because there's only so many hours in the day. Where can I give myself grace, i.e., mm-hmm. like, oh man, I did not ride as much as I wanted this week, or it would really be helpful if I actually, you know, had time to work out and prioritize <laughs> that, mm-hmm. or yeah. it being like, even for example, like we just had Halloween, and knowing that as a kid, you know, your your mom being there for your school Halloween parade is so important, and due To having the autonomy over my business, um, where I can say I'm taking Halloween off because I want to be a mom and be around that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it's knowing that I have all these pieces that I want to do, but being realistic about what I can do and it waxes and wanes. Like sometimes it's a lot of, um, okay. This is going to be time that I want to do X, Y, Z with my company. And then sometimes it's like, no, I'm needed at home. I have to flex to allow time for that. And then I'll be in Ohio showing at WEC next week. And so that also looks like planning ahead. I mean, it's going to take, you know, my husband changing his work schedule, my nanny being on board, my in-laws coming. It's Mm -hmm. kind of this like balancing act at all times. Yes. Um, but just having so much gratitude that by organizing that and having those people in my life, I'm able to to do these really amazing um, opportunities, like going to a horse show and showing my horse and being able to work at the same time. It's just something that I don't feel is it's different for every person. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been unique kind of balancing the kid aspect of it, like having kids and still prioritizing that piece um, right. while still moving forward as a working mom and having goals and ambitions of, for myself. Because I think there's nothing better than my girls see their mom live out to her passion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. I love that. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk, uh, kind of get into massage a little bit. Cause I have a lot of questions. I oh. have had a bit of experience uh, working with a body worker fairly closely when I was, uh, when I was working at a barn in California and would love for you to kind of talk about the differences, because I know a lot of us have our horses see uh, massage therapists or body workers or um, have chiropractic work or um, shockwave, therapy, um, magnetic blanket, like all of those kind of therapies. What would you say is the differences between all of those? Uh, I mean, especially um, do you consider yourself a massage therapist like, and a body worker, or is there like a distinct difference between the two terms? Yeah, Bethany, that's a great question. I do consider,
1: I kind of look at it two ways. So I do consider myself primarily an equine massage therapist, but body work kind of being the umbrella term over different modalities, such as MagnaWave, like you said, like TheraPlate, even like the Beamer Blanket, like all these Mm -hmm. different tools that are available that work on the horse's body specifically. With that said, though, I also really think it's important as an equine massage therapist to understand my scope of practice, which means something as like, there's different laws in each state. So within the state of Illinois to do anything chiropractic or anything that punctures the skin, like acupuncture, you're a vet. Now that's Mm. different in each state, but I want to know what is my scope of practice within my state and where I'm working. Um, and then that also leads into why, um, massage therapy is right for the horses that are within my, my practice. So, mm-hmm. um, why I always say like, I want to there, I want to use this resource appropriately and where it's needed so that people feel and see it. We wouldn't, there's so many benefits to it, but there's so many options out there. Right. So using what's best for your horse and so obviously I'm biased towards massage therapy but I also know that at times it's out of my scope of practice like I really think you should see a chiropractor an equine chiropractor for this sure. or wow like acu- acupuncture would do more than I can do with acupressure right now let mm-hmm. me refer you to somebody else and so I think that umbrella term of equine body work um, is out there and really gives a good idea of what these modalities are under.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what makes a horse a good candidate or maybe a not so good candidate for massage therapy? That's a good question. So I really look at it as
1: I've never had a candidate that's a bad candidate for massage therapy because I think it benefits all horses. Yeah. I think it's what the goals are for for that horse in particular. For example, you may have a horse that's recovering from an injury. Okay, what would that what would massage look like for that horse that's coming back from, say, a suspensory issue? Okay, well, they might have been on stall rest, which makes them really stiff. They might have some edema because they haven't been moving around. The blood fluid, lymph fluid, everything's kind of settled. Um, they're not in their normal routine. Maybe they're not getting turnout. Um, and oftentimes what I see is when a horse is injured and a vet has, you know, let's say um, shockwaved and done stem cell therapy in the suspensory, that horse has been compensating elsewhere in their body. So mm-hmm. the, the issue is fixed, but looking at it from a holistic lens, there's other stuff going on because the horse had to compensate for this injury or this area that was hurting. Um, and then other horses that I see, you know, a lot are horses that are athletes mm-hmm. um, are horses that are showing that are in consistent work um, that as part of their healthcare routine, Um, Having massage therapy really allows a non-invasive, drug-free way to get an idea of what's going on with the horse's body and then appropriately give them what they need. Because I think oftentimes when we think about getting a massage um, as a human, sometimes we go because we want relaxation. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we go because our, you know, our neck or our shoulder, some part of our body is hurting.
0: Um,
1: And then there's also the piece that massage can be brought in as a tool for self-care. When I talk to clients about their horses and yeah, I mean, the relaxation and the emotional health is really just one piece of it. I think it's fascinating that with massage, I get to touch every muscle in the horse's body. And when do we do that? Like as, as horse owners and caretakers and trainers, like we groom the horse, but we're using a brush. Uh, We might rub our hands over an area, but like, when's the last time, you know, we went down and like felt their pectoral muscles, right? We don't really do it. You know, it it doesn't fit into our routine with our horse. And Mm -hmm. so having kind of a, a big snapshot of what everything feels like while being able to improve muscle health so there could be you know tension in an area that the horse I like to say like muscles never lie so it's their way of communicating with me what's going on so the communication obviously is non but they are very open with their their thoughts during mm-hmm. massage um mm-hmm. so oftentimes like I call them releases like licking and chewing um, mm-hmm. I mean, my biggest compliment while I'm massaging is when a horse takes a big poop. Like, yeah. Oh, that's, that's so nice of you. <laughs> like you really want <laughs> like it. Um, but they are constantly showing me what they need based on the nonverbal communication. And that's the piece that I really connect into because mm-hmm. that's the horse helping me understand how they are going to heal. And on top of it, it's really cool for the horse because it's, one of the only times in their in their daily life that somebody's just giving to them, mm-hmm. like i have no, i don't need anything from them. Um, right. I am truly there to just take care of them, and yeah. so oftentimes that's a, a really neat opportunity for them that they don't always have the types of horses the benefits are going to be there for all of them, what they need from those benefits we be based on what they're doing in their life, even if it's just a, a pleasure horse or an aging horse. You know, we, we manage them sometimes in a stall. They're only turned out a couple hours, maybe a day. Um, they might have old injuries. So yes, it's just a pleasure horse, but there's still aspects going on that need attention. And so my, my goal is to always come in from a soft tissue perspective, what's going on. And then I love to work one-on-one with the owners And for us to talk about what they're feeling as a rider or what the horse has been communicating to them. And then we work as a team to figure out what the
0: horse needs. Right. So let's say you are going to be looking at a horse for the first time, doing like your first kind of consult. What tell me, like your thought process as you are first kind of getting your hands on that horse.
1: So I always start with like connecting with the horse in some way, like energetically coming up and connecting with them. Sometimes that is like kind of where I use their third eye, which it just like us, is like at the center of their head. And it's so interesting when I first work on a horse and I have to come in with the right energy myself. So if there's, you know, stuff going on in my life, I've got to drop all that at the door and be Mm -hmm. there for the horse, but also connecting in with them on my intentions of why I'm here. I mean, I think, Horses know what we're feeling, obviously, sometimes even when we don't. So coming in and connecting with them, however that looks, um, if it's a horse that maybe is a little bit more hesitant about it or it's hurting, when the horse is hurting, their whole body language and demeanor is going to be different. Um, and so oftentimes it's me just connecting. And then from there, I have kind of a sequence that I like to Start with on horses the first time I'm working on them so I can feel every muscle. Sometimes my sessions the first time can be an hour and a half, upwards of two hours, Um, depending on the horse, how slowly I need to move, um, what's going on, how the horse is communicating. But my goal is to feel the soft tissue everywhere. And then as I'm learning what the horse is feeling, what's going on, then I really tailor what I'm doing to that horse. So that may mean that this horse needs some trigger point therapy in their triceps because their triceps are sore or main areas that I might see is like, okay, they're a little bit back sore, something's going on. They've been, you know, they're at a show, they've been working really hard. Well, what works best for them on their back? And I have this plethora of tools that I come with. Mm-hmm. Is it myofascial release? Is it, they need some deep tissue work because they're actually going to allow me to do deep massage work on that first time sometimes it takes a while to let them let their guard down and let me do that and then also I like to for my practice incorporate MagnaWave as a as an add-on feature for an area that maybe needs a little extra work so this horse is a dressage horse and they've been working a lot on engaging their hind end and their hamstrings are tight okay I've done you know I've done all I can with my hands I've done, you know, the, the, use the tools I have. I still think there's a little bit more there that could release. And that's why I like to have a plethora of stuff that allows me to work on the muscle that they need it in the way that they need it.
0: Got it. And what's the difference between MagnaWave and Shockwave?
1: Okay. So Shockwave um, has to be done by a veterinarian. Uh, MagnaWave, people can own MagnaWave. I mean, trainers or owners But there is a whole certification process to understanding how to use the machine, how to maintain the machine, and how to use it with the horse in a way that is comfortable for them. The main difference between Shockwave and MagnaWave is um, Shockwave is using actually ultrasound. So that's the the modality that the Shockwave is using. It's just in a very high dose. When you're using MagnaWave, it's actually magnets. So it's Hmm. a pulse magnetic field that is working the muscles. And so if you've ever seen Magnet go, you're going to see that little pop of the muscle. That's when the, um, the magnet is being utilized. Um, and so there's all different ways to penetrate muscle, ultrasound, laser, magnets. Think about all the different types of blankets and uh, you know, like little gadgets that are out there. There's right. ways to penetrate muscle. For me, I primarily like to do it with my hands because my hands really tell me everything. And from there, there's so many tools that are available to me to then work the muscle as needed. And also with Shockwave, you would generally use that in one kind of focused area. Where uh, MagnaWave, you can use you know all over their body for a whole plethora of purposes. The main thing is, again, scope of practice. So you'd want to make sure shockwave, shockwave is done by your veterinarian. Uh, MagnaWave, that you know, you want someone that's certified in it that understands how to best utilize it. Sometimes I'll have a horse that I've done all the work I can with my hands. I think this horse would really benefit from MagnaWave. And I don't do MagnaWave by itself, but there's practitioners that do. So I'll refer them out to somebody that does just MagnaWave um, because they're going to have maybe a stronger machine, different kinds of attachments. Um, And so to me, it's like this this team
0: approach of looking at of how we can help this individual horse. Got it, got it. So when you are working with uh, clients on a consistent basis, uh, what's kind of the average of how often you see a horse?
1: Uh, that that honestly, people always ask me like, when do you want to see my horse again? <laughs> um, and it's a great question because I tell them the horse will let you know. I don't like to. There's some horses. Let me take that back. There's some horses that are consistently showing. Um, that we know massage is an important part of their healthcare regime of, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, routine of stuff and massage really helps them because they get tight in their neck. And when they get tight in their neck, then they're, they're showing it elsewhere. And so they want me a part of their normal healthcare routine. And we do it about every four to six weeks on average. Um, I have a, I have a lot of those horses because these are the horses that, you know, our athletes, are horse showing, we know what the horse needs because I've been working on them for long enough. And then there's other horses that, you know, if it's the first time I'm working on the horse, um, unless there's something I'm like, you know, I really want to come back and um, work on this again. Let's do this again in two weeks. I tell them to let the horse let you know. You're going to feel this vast improvement after I work on them. A day or two after I work on them, you're going to be like, wow, my horse wasn't bending to the right And now I'm getting this beautiful bend to the right. We can do a shoulder in. Mm -hmm. Well, once that starts to show again that the horse is not working at the level you felt after the massage, touch base with me. I want people to know that the tool is available to them. But again, in no way do they need to feel overwhelmed by it, that it has to be done consistently at this. It's not this big thing to take on. It can be done As often as the horse needs it, or if you have a horse that is really working hard and, you know, it's an FEI level horse that is showing consistently and you want to keep them showing at that consistency and that level, then it might be something that the horse needs on a normal basis to just be part of what works for them to be able to show. Got it.
0: And then the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on was what would you say are some things that riders and horse owners can do kind of on their own as far as um, massage is concerned, or I know um, you work with essential oils. Um, what are what are some kind of benefits of that kind of consistent body work or, or even just having uh, some easy things that owners or riders can do for their horses? The education piece and working with the
1: horse in between my sessions is so important to me because yeah. I feel like as an owner, being able to empower them on here are some tools that can help you with you this specific horse. And right. it's easier than people think. Like, even with my own horse, okay, I just gave him a bath. I'm toweling him off um, to help him dry. It's, you know, I'm going to use that time. Okay, I'm toweling you off on your neck or your shoulder. What do I feel? I work a little bit while I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be stretching your horse before you ride. We should stretch. Our horse should stretch. You know, now, does it need to be this big thing that's going to take a half hour of your time and your business? No, it can be a simple part of your routine that you add in. I try to really make that work for the horse. Okay, so this is what this particular horse needs. Um, I'm also making educational videos um, that show some of the basics because they're not good research-based educational videos on massage for owners Mm. are not readily available and so what are some basic things that you can do with your horse I'm able to explain that to a lot of owners and trainers um, after their session like hey here are some ideas I have moving forward right and you help me maintain this because I don't want to come back every time and be starting from square one either sure Um, I want the owner to be help maintain it as well I'd like there to be Educational resources that I can, and I'm I'm almost done with them. Um, mm-hmm. That I refer my patients to to be like, hey, here are some basic massage moves that I think you'd feel comfortable doing, or here are some stretches beyond carrot stretches. Right. You know, okay, this horse really needs to stretch out their pectoral area and their shoulders. Here's a stretch you can do with this horse, mm-hmm. and empowering the owner that they can be part of their horse's healthcare as well, and them feeling confident in in doing it. And so that education piece, I think it goes back to kind of the foundation of what I went to school for as well. It's like non-formal education. So education kind of out and about, either in a zoo or at a barn, um, is really near and dear to me. Um, And I think also in educating people about massage and what it looks like and how it works and how they can be part of
0: it, even just makes them more comfortable with the modality itself. Right. Yeah. And, um, I know on your website, uh, and I, I, just had asked you about essential oils and I know they're, uh, from like me personally using them in the past that there are certain oils that help with, you know, any like muscle problems or tightness or stiffness, but there's also definitely kind of like a emotional aspect or, you know, just overall wellbeing, um, to oils. What, what do you find is like the most useful to use on horses?
1: So I use um, essential oils in my massage. Oftentimes I let the horse pick.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: maybe I'll have like two or three that I'm like, you know, I'm feeling like these might work for the session today. Uh-huh. The horse always like chooses what they want. It's fascinating. Uh-huh. You should it's try so it. Funny. Like have like two or three oils out and offer it to them. And they will show you either by like, they hate it and they put their nose, you know, totally away from it. They might lick it off your hand. It's so interesting how they react. They're so in tune with their bodies. Yeah, I mean, we could really learn something from that, but they're really in tune with what their body needs. And so I often let them pick. Um, Now, at the same hand, I'm really, really careful with essential oils at the same time because something like lavender can't be used at Mm horseshoe. And so knowing, again, the rules and regulations of what goes with that um, and being very careful of that because even though it just seems like a fun tool to us, um, there are regulations around it. Right. Um, I also refer people out to essential oil. I always try to use smaller, small business owner, usually women-led companies that have, if I don't have a, a total understanding of like, okay, I think this horse could use this essential oil. Let me bring in somebody that this is their, really their wheelhouse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I always try to use the resources I have. Um, and essential oils are a great example of, it's just one tool that I use in my practice, but there's so many options out there. What's best for that horse? And oftentimes I have found them picking it. <laughs> Nine That's times out of 10 is the best way. Which seems overly simplified, yeah. overly simplified, but it really works. I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. And I would recommend people, even if they don't have a lot of essential oils, to even just try it with some peppermint and you know lemon, or or if you're not at a horse show, try lavender. See what your horse thinks. They may hate it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll
0: let you know for sure. Wow, so cool! And where would where do you usually apply the oils um, to their bodies? For me personally,
1: I always just have it on my hands.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: I try to um, not have too many pieces going on to my massage. So if it's a raindrop therapy massage where you're specifically focused in on essential oils, then I'd be using them on the horse. Um, That's a very specific purpose for it. Most of the time, essential oils are just a piece of my massage. And so for me, having them on my hands, using it as a scent, and then just incorporating it into the massage is how I use them in particular. And then if there's something that you want more than that, where to put it on the body, where we can use this beyond what, what I know, like, Hey, I know this works here and here, let's find the research behind it. And Mm -hmm. that's when I go to my resources, because for me, it's really just one piece of the puzzle for massage. It's not my main focus. Got it.
0: So what would be kind of an area within this um, niche of massage therapy that you're particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the industry either doesn't know much about or doesn't talk much about?
1: Mm. So there's really two, two pieces that I have found really intriguing in this kind of, you know, piece of equine massage. The first one are horses i would say they're tattling on their riders and what hurts on their riders so i oftentimes will feel something like wow this horse is time after time tight on their left pole and tmj what okay i've released this horses hold their massages pretty darn well what what's going on and then all of a sudden i realize i need to turn to their partner their teammate right and ask them hey is your left shoulder bothering you? Do you have something going on with your right hip? Um, (laughs) And all of a sudden turning it over. And it's so interesting how well we take care of our horses and how poorly we take care of ourselves. Yeah, that's true. Um, And so bringing this awareness to, I'm going to help your horse, but I can't fully fix this until you take care of your issues as well. And Mm so what that's done has been a really good communication piece for the humans in their life. And I think this goes to uh, riding in general, that oftentimes we just kind of make it work without thinking about, okay, if we strengthen our core or we work on, you know, this back issue or the shoulder issue that's bothering us, how that correlates to the horse. Right. And so I often times um, I have a a that works with humans and with riders specifically that has been so helpful in my practice because I have so many trainers that are broken mm-hmm. and they ride all the horses. And so all the horses have the same issue. And I finally am oh. like, OK, this is you. <laughs> What's every the common horse, denominator here? <laughs> right. Every horse is having this issue. I think we need to talk about what's, and it's always something that's hurting on them and they don't sure. have the time to take care of it. And so explaining to them that I can't truly get this horse to a hundred percent until we look at you, that's been something that I think has really been neglected and has been so interesting that that's actually communicated in my massage as well is giving me a little bit of a window into what's going on with the rider and talking to them about it and really empowering them to take care of themselves as well. Yeah. And then the other piece that I have found fascinating as well is this idea of training issues or misbehavior in horses that is actually always leads, you know, in my opinion, always is a big word, but oftentimes leads back to some sort of pain going on Mm -hmm. Um, and how we need to pay more attention to this and why horses are communicating this to us. So when I'm, you know, doing an assessment of, of a horse and a great example is a horse that I worked with that, you know, wasn't lame, but wasn't totally right. They'd had, you know, x-rays, ultrasounds, injections. They, they did all this, the right stuff. And the horse still wasn't just a hundred percent. And here it's having this issue in training. And then they brought me along and like, it was the horse's intercostals or muscles that wow. run in their ribs that was hurting. Well, that's not something that we would probably pay attention to. Oh, maybe they're a little girthy or why are they being so sour off my leg? You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to burn on like, not that these training tools are bad. I think they need to be part of your arsenal of things. But when a horse that normally doesn't have an issue or all of a sudden starts showing a behavior or a personality that, that isn't what you normally know going back to, is there a pain somewhere going on and assessing that and really paying attention to that. Cause I do believe in my heart that all horses want to be good. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I don't think there's, there's horses that are out there. Like I really want to dump this person today. Maybe there's some,
0: <laughs> that yeah. are
1: a little cheeky, but you know, overall, I think in their heart, they want to perform and do their best. Yeah, and so really paying attention to, is there some sort of pain going on and thinking of that first, Versus thinking about that later on, um, and that's something that yeah that I feel really passionate about because I've seen it time after time where I work on a horse, their pain decreases, and the rider tells me about all that they're able to accomplish now that in their training that they hadn't been able to, mm-hmm. and was that pain piece holding them back
0: yeah, yeah, so I mean, I feel like what you're saying is that if if you have a, an owner or a rider who is wanting to invest in having their horse work with a massage therapist such as yourself, that they should probably also make the the time and the investment to check out their own body and make sure, because I mean, otherwise it's, it, you're, you're starting from scratch over and over and over again. And the horse is going through the same pain and stiffness over and over again. If if you're not taking the time to make sure that you're balanced too, the body worker that I worked with in California was also uh, worked on humans and he would always like align me or whatever, when he'd come Mm -hmm. out and do the horses and he's like, Oh, you're about, you're going to go ride 10 horses tomorrow and it's going to go back (laughs) to how it was. (laughs) And it's so true. It's like, Oh my gosh, that, that kind of like parallel. And I think you're so right with the idea. I mean even with our crazy thoroughbred chestnut mares off the track, they're at their core, all they want to do is please their owner. And I think a lot of the time horse horses are either so misunderstood and you know, whether that's with their training or kind of like what you were saying there that they're in some sort of pain or discomfort. And so finding ways to, kind of uncover those areas and, and understand our animals better. I think that will help us keep everyone happy and get closer to our goals. So I feel like the, those two things that you touched on are um, really important aspects for sure. Thank you. Yeah, I love when these
1: things present themselves like that. That wasn't my intention going into the, you know, into equine massage and here mm-hmm. there's all these bigger ideas that are coming out of it and those are the pieces that I love to not only in my own research but talk to other professionals about and then help each other understand that like share the knowledge share the mm-hmm. wealth um, and know that the more horses that we can help and is, is that's really what we're in it for then the pain correlation to me is just something that more and more riders and trainers are our understanding and, and wanting to understand and massage can be such a
0: huge piece of that. Totally agree. Well, thank you so much for kind of enlightening all of us with um, some massage therapy information. I found it super helpful. Um, okay. I just wish you were closer, but now that I know you'll be in Florida all winter, <laughs> I, I would <laughs> exactly.
1: love that. I would love that. And yeah, I mean, the the nice pieces, I mean, I have my website, unbridled com. I'm on social media, Facebook and Instagram. And I love, like, when I get to travel, like, working with all new horses, all different types of horses. And then it lets me meet such great people in our industry as well. And I love it when I go to a new barn. I really don't need to sell massage. It works. And give me your toughest horse and I'll show you. Um, because that horse wants to heal and wants to feel better. And so being able to share that with as many people as I can, um, and then being able to educate people on how they can do it on their own. Like that just, just totally fills me. Yeah.
0: Love it. Well, Katie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. And I'm so pumped. I get to see you this winter, but I wish you all the best. Oh, thank you so much. It was so much fun talking to you.